Did you know that biblical Jewish holidays are dependent upon the moon or that holidays start on the night before they are listed on a calendar? Let's find out why. I'm Rabbi Jordan Parr, and this is Torah for Christians. Welcome to Torah for Christians. I'm your host, Rabbi Jordan Parr. Next Sunday night, May 16th, 2021, begins the Jewish festival of Shavuot. It's a good time then to take a broad look at Jewish holy days. Let's first dispense with the calendar confusion. In our everyday calendar, a day starts at midnight. But if you were living, say, 4,000 years ago, How could you know when it was midnight? You knew that nights were shorter in the warmer months and longer in the colder ones. But the middle of the night? That was hard to determine. Fortunately, the Torah gives us a way out of this conundrum. In the first verses of Genesis where we read, it was evening, it was morning, one day. The rabbis interpreted this to mean that a day begins at sundown. In practical terms, when you see Shavuot or Passover or Rosh Hashanah listed on a calendar, please know that if it says the holiday falls on a Monday, it really begins on the previous Sunday night and ends at sundown on Monday. Leviticus chapter 23 gives us the definitive text for Torah-centered Jewish holidays. In order of listing, They are Shabbat, Passover, Shavuot, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, and Sukkot. While each of these holidays has its own reason for existence and distinctive practices, they all share two common traits, rest and special sacrifices. These are all holy days, during which God commands Jews to refrain from all manner of work. Jews also offered additional animals and libations on the altar in Jerusalem during these holy days, each offering specific to the holiday. Furthermore, they are broken down into three different categories. Shabbat, the three pilgrimage festivals, which are Passover, Shavuot, and Sukkot, and the high holy days, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Shabbat, the Sabbath, is the most prevalent holiday in the Jewish calendar because it happens every week. From sundown Friday until sundown Saturday, Jews are commanded to do no work. It is a day of complete rest. The concept of a day of rest was revolutionary. It was such an important concept that God even modeled rest in Genesis chapter 2. God, by definition, has no need to rest. Still, God rested to demonstrate the importance of this rest. And with the contemporary concerns about burnout and overexertion in our society, this aspect of being godlike can be extremely attractive today. Jumping to the third category next, we arrive at Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Rosh Hashanah means the head of the year. It is commonly thought of as either the first day of creation 
or the day of the creation of the first man. Either way, the liturgy often refers to Rosh Hashanah as, quote, the birthday of the world, unquote. But in Leviticus 23, verses 24 to 25, it is simply referred to as the first day of the seventh month, a day accompanied by loud blasts of the shofar, a ram's horn. It is a day of complete rest, accompanied by the offering of special sacrifices. And it is a new moon festival. The shofar, the ram's horn, is the highlight of Rosh Hashanah. Jewish teachings connect this commandment to Genesis 22, the story of the binding of Isaac, in Hebrew called the Akedah. At the end of the Akedah, after God spares Isaac from being sacrificed, Abraham spies a ram caught by its horn in a thicket. He sacrifices this ram in place of his son, but this ram's horn is the paradigmatic shofar. The shofar was the ancient bugle calling Israel to war, as in the story of Jericho, or to miracles, such as the giving of the Ten Commandments. Today, to hear the shofar is the sole reason that many Jews even attend Rosh Hashanah worship. Ten days after Rosh Hashanah, as prescribed in the Torah, is Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. Verse 27 states that this is a day of self-denial, which we take to mean a complete fast throughout the entire day. Just as Jews attempt to purify our souls through prayer and rest on this day, fasting purifies our bodies. In effect, it is a form of ritual death and rebirth, an obvious antecedent to the Christian idea of being born again. In ancient days, unique sacrifices were offered in the temple in Jerusalem on Yom Kippur, and the high priest, after an extensive period of purification, entered the Holy of Holies to pronounce the name of God. It was a tense moment, for if he failed in his task, God would strike him dead and perhaps destroy the entire people in the process. The final set of Torah holidays are called the Shalosh Regalim, the three pilgrimage festivals where Jews from the countryside would come to Jerusalem to make festival offerings. Again, the three festivals are Pesach, or Passover, Shavuot, the Feast of Weeks, and Sukkot, Tabernacles. Pesach is the best known. This festival begins on the 15th day of the month of Aviv, spring, today called Nisan. It is a full moon festival. Pesach commemorates the exodus from Egypt, the anniversary of the night that the Jews left their homes and escaped Egyptian bondage. It represents symbolically the first Passover, when Jews slaughtered the Paschal lamb, roasted it, ate it whole, and sprinkled its blood over the doorposts of their houses so that the angel of death would literally pass over their homes, sparing the lives of their firstborn sons. And we follow the commandment even today of eating matzah, unleavened bread, and maror 
bitter herbs such as horseradish root in remembrance of what our ancestors ate on that great and awesome night. During temple days, Jews would sacrifice a lamb on the altar. Today, while some communities still eat lamb on Passover, all Jews place a roasted lamb shank on the table to represent this offering. And finally, the first and last days of the festival are days of complete rest, even today. Tied to Pesach is Shavuot, the Feast of Weeks. The Torah commands that we count seven weeks from the second day of Pesach, 49 days in all. On day 50, it is Shavuot, a time of great rejoicing, when Jews would bring their first fruits to the temple as a joyous sacrifice. In later days, Shavuot came to represent the night when God gave Moses the Ten Commandments. It became a night to study Torah and, interestingly, to eat dairy products. The final pilgrimage festival is Sukkot, the Feast of Booths, also a full moon holiday. It begins on the 15th day of the first month, Tishrei, and is only four days after Yom Kippur. The first and last days of the seven-day festival are holy days, but there are special sacrifices and rituals performed on each day. And the eighth day is itself a holy day called Shemini Atzeret, the eighth day of when we stop. The word Sukkah means a booth. Traditionally, this represented the hut where Jewish farmers would stash their crops and spend the night during harvest season. They are temporary and open to the elements. Today, we build a sukkah, often outside our homes, and eat, rest, and even sleep there during the eight-day festival. It is a joyous time, rooted in the long-lost agrarian traditions of our people. If Pesach is defined by matzah and Shavuot by dairy, Sukkot is defined by the Arba Minim, the four species of plants, willow and myrtle branches, a date palm branch, and an etrog, a citron, which is kind of like a lemon, which we wave in a prescribed manner. The ritual represents a calling to the four corners of the earth, as well as up to heaven and down to earth, for the winds and the rain to come together to cause a bountiful winter harvest. While the origin of this custom is unknown, its performance is joyous and a highlight of the festival season. But wait, there's more. After the break, we'll talk about other important Jewish holidays, those that do not require rest. I'm Rabbi Jordan Parr, and this is Torah for Christians. Welcome back. I'm Rabbi Jordan Parr, and this is Torah for Christians. Before we return to our discussion of Jewish Holy Days, I want to thank you for listening to this podcast. Please remember to rate and review this episode, as well as previous episodes on Apple, Spotify, and other great podcasting sites. Also, you can like us on Facebook and Instagram, 
where links to previous episodes are found. Now let's get back to our topic, Jewish holidays. There are two more ancient Jewish holidays to discuss. One is biblical and one is not. Can you guess which one is biblical? Think back to new moon, full moon. Our biblical holiday is Purim. The story of Purim is found in the book of Esther. The book of Esther is a sex farce set in ancient Persia in the capital of Shushan, probably modern-day Susa. It is the earliest story of planned genocide against the Jewish people in history. Haman, the king's prime minister, decides to kill all the Jews in the Persian Empire due to a perceived slight at the hand of the Jew Mordechai, whose niece Esther just happens to be the queen, and she is secretly hiding her Jewish identity. Haman draws lots, in Hebrew called Purim, and determines that the 15th day of Adar, exactly one month before Pesach and a full moon, is death day for the Jews. Mordechai and Esther foil his plot, and Haman is hung on the gallows in place of Mordechai. The Jews are saved, and everybody eats. Yes, it's a crazy premise, but it's a biblical holiday, so we just have fun observing it. In practice, it's a combination of Mardi Gras and Halloween, where rules are relaxed, excessive drinking is encouraged, and everyone has a good time following the Jewish adage, they tried to kill us, we won, let's eat. We also have an important holiday not found in the Bible, Hanukkah. Hanukkah probably originated as a winter solstice holiday, but is modeled after Sukkot. In the second century before the Common Era, Judea was under the heel of the Seleucid Greeks, specifically King Antiochus IV, Antiochus Epiphanes, who ruled Judea at the time. Unlike Alexander the Great, who had conquered Judea a century before, Antiochus IV banned Jewish worship and went so far as to sacrifice pigs on the temple altar. He provoked a countryside rebellion where the priest Mattathias and his sons began a guerrilla rebellion, eventually expelling the Greeks and restoring Jewish sovereignty over Judea. Led by his son Judah, the Maccabees, as they were called, purified the temple and declared an eight-day festival starting on the 25th of Kislev. This festival echoed Sukkot in practice and focused on the dedication of the temple and restoration of the sacrifices. In Hebrew, the word for dedication is Hanukkah, hence the name of the holiday. It is a joyous winter holiday characterized by fried foods, gift-giving, and the lighting of candles on each night of the holiday. Unlike the Torah holidays, Hanukkah and Purim lack the commandment to rest. Jews can work on these days, just like on the intermediate days of Passover and Sukkot. And since Hanukkah is not biblical, it is the only one of these holidays that does not begin on a new moon or full moon, or is even linked to a full or new moon observance. In fact, it overlaps a new moon, proving its more recent origins. 
After all, it's only 2,200 years old. There are many other Jewish holidays, fast days, and other observances which we will encounter in due course. This is but an overview. We will revisit each of these holidays when they occur in the cycle of the Jewish calendar. For now, Chag Sameach, Happy Shavuot. Next week, our topic will be miracles. We will define a biblical miracle using the crossing of the Sea of Reeds and the story of the loaves and the fish as our examples. And then we will determine if miracles are occurring in our day and age. It's a great topic. Please join us. I want to thank you for listening to Torah for Christians. You can listen to and rate previous episodes on Apple, Spotify, or other popular podcast outlets. Also, you can like us on Facebook and Instagram. Have a great day and remember, how good and how pleasant it is for us to dwell together in unity. Till we see each other again, I'm Rabbi Jordan Parr, and this has been Torah for Christians.